Good evening, family. Thank you so much for your giving. I have the privilege to share the word tonight. Amen. Thank you, thank you, thank you, all three of you. I'm so excited. (laughs) Pray for our pastors as they're traveling and getting ready for Thanksgiving, and we're so grateful you're here. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Pastor Danelle, one of the associate uh, pastors on staff here. We are going to be coming from 1 Thessalonians 5, so I'm sure you have your Bibles. You can turn there. 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 12 through 21. 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 through 21. Um, Pastor A.J. Mosley, who was a pastor in our Harrisonburg church, preached last um, Wednesday and just, there's no more roof. He just took the roof off the place. It's phenomenal word called in the middle. And basically he was talking about when the disciples had to go to the other side and they had to command to go to the other side. However, a wind came and was really hard to get to the other side. Have you ever experienced that? You're being obedient to God, but then all of a sudden hindrances come and it's hard to get to the other side, but your faith knows you need to get there. Your flesh wants to give up, but your faith knows you have to get to the other side because God said so. So I wanted to springboard off of something he said um, as he preached. He said, salvation is free, but sanctification will cost you everything. He could have just parked right there. Salvation is free, not that it's free in itself. Jesus paid it all. But sanctification will cost you everything. (laughs) How many of you experienced that? Salvation will cost you every last bit of you and then some. So tonight I wanted to talk about give thanks. And um, as we are talking about giving thanks, I just wanted to read the technical definition of sanctification in its meaning. Sanctification is the act or process of acquiring uh, to be sanctified of being made or becoming holy. To sanctify is to literally set apart for a particular use in a special purpose or work and to make holy or sacred. So God calls us not just to get saved, that justification, but to live a life of lordship, him being Lord, that's sanctification, which means you have to do things God's way. How many of you know we can't do things our way like we'd like to? What I'm so grateful for is God is Lord, Jesus is Lord, but he doesn't Lord over us. He gives us the opportunity and the decision whether to be obedient or not. That sanctification process is our decision to be holy and to be set apart and to be obedient to what God said to do. But how many know you have an adversary that wants your blessings? He can't have your salvation. It's already bought. But he does want to hinder the things that God has for you. And how he does that is through our disobedience. Um, So tonight I want to talk about Christian contact, or excuse me, conduct. The title of this sermon is Give Thanks. So again, we're coming from 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 12 through 21. But we request of you, brethren, that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you and have charge over you in the Lord and give you instruction. And that you esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Live in peace with one another. We urge you, brethren, admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with everyone. See that no one repays another with evil for evil, 
but always seeks after that which is good for one another and for all people. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit, and do not despise prophetic utterances, but examine everything carefully. Hold fast to that which is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Father, we thank you for your word tonight that transforms, that allows us to come close to your heart. Father, we pray for revelation tonight that we will be better than we came in. In Jesus' name, amen. So again, this is about Christian conduct, give thanks. So here Paul is, he's written this letter on his second missionary journey, and he was only there three weeks. The Jews began to persecute him so badly that he had to leave. So he could only talk to the new converts within three weeks' time frame. And so he decided to write this letter because he had to leave them. And a lot of the pagans had converted to Christianity, but they didn't know what to do. They were brand spanking new, brand new babies in the faith. So Paul had to leave them and he wrote a letter to encourage them of what to do in the midst of persecution. Have you ever experienced persecution for what you believe, who you are, maybe your skin color, maybe your gender? We all in some form at some time have, I'm sure, dealt with persecution. Well, these are new converts dealing with this. And it was so bad that Paul had to leave and again, writing this letter of encouragement. So I thought tonight we're going to give God thanks. Now, I know you all are sitting there like Pastor D, hurry up because I need to cook my turkey and my stuffing. I need to make all of that, but I needed to come here tonight and worship, and I'm so glad you did. But I just want to have a praise party tonight because when you think about the goodness of Jesus and what he has done for us, how can we not park our hips in the seat and say, God, we thank you because we know where we've come from. So here we have a people who are being persecuted, brand new in the faith. So tonight I want to talk about your witness, your work, and your warfare. So let's talk about your witness. God calls us to be witnesses. We see that in Acts. Be witnesses unto me. That's what God wants us to do. Be his witness. Be set apart. Um, I used to work for the police and fire department, and we get calls all the time for accidents. And it was amazing the accounts of the accidents of those who saw the accident versus rolling up on the accident. The people that rolled up on the accident just tell me there's two cars in the intersection and there's an accident. Those who witnessed the accident could say, well, the right of, the, the red car came from the left. The green car came from the right. And then what happened was the red car ran the light. There's more detail. When you're a witness, what kind of details do you have about your savior tonight that you could call and tell somebody about who he is? So their witness was one, they were supposed to appreciate those who diligently served among them and labored among them. And they were to esteem them highly in love because of their work. So the first thing that Paul was telling the new converts, look, there are people diligently serving among you who are teaching you. I want you to appreciate them and I want you to esteem them in love. That's what happens when you have a spirit of gratitude. When you recognize there's people out there serving on your behalf so that you can be made better. So Paul was telling them, this is what I want you to do. This is your witness to appreciate and to love. 
So as we walk this earth, our job is to appreciate and love, especially those who labor among us to teach us this word, to show us how to advance the kingdom, to continue to labor in the kingdom business. Then he said, your work. Now we get to the nitty gritty of sanctification. How many know being holy is work? Come on now. I need about, thank you. Okay. I I said, this is just a praise night. We all family. Look around this room. Everybody has probably gone home or cooking their turkey. So just go ahead and kick off your shoes. This is one of these living room time to talks. Okay. So living holy is work. And it must be generated out of the love you have for the Savior. Because if it's not generated or fueled by the love you have for the Savior, I promise you will start the journey, but you won't be able to finish it. Because somebody is going to work your last half a nerve. And all the time you were being holy the whole day. And now it's 4.59. You know how it goes. And the boss or Sister Sam Paper or somebody's going to come up to you and say something cross. And you know you were packing your bag to leave that office. It is work to be holy. It is work to be sanctified. So this is the first thing he says. I want you to live in peace with everybody. Uh Uh-oh. Live in peace with one another. So he was telling them, look, there's some things going to occur. We're all growing in the faith. God doesn't separate you, make you holy, and bring you back. He makes you holy in the midst of serving, in the midst of being with your brother and sister. So the first thing we're going to do in this give thanks is we are going to live in peace with one another. How many know that's a decision? Now, it sounds all great and sounds unholy until you're offended or until something doesn't go your way. And then you have a choice to live in peace or not live in peace. But here the exhortation and the encouragement to them was, I want you to live in peace. That's your first work, your first assignment. And then it says, admonish the unruly. So he was saying, look, there's going to be people in the church and outside the church that are going to be unruly, unruly, but you have to admonish them. Just don't turn your head like it's none of your business, but you need to go and admonish them, encourage them to do right. Tell them what the word says about living holy. Then he says, encourage the faint hearted. As Pastor AJ was preaching last week, we get faint hearted. After a while, you just don't even want to go to the other side. You know what? It looks good right here, Lord. I'm just going to build right here. We don't need to go any further because I'm tired. Have you ever been faint hearted? You just want to give up. Well, he says, encourage the faint hearted. So we want to be an encouragement to those because we've been there ourselves that are weary and don't want to go on any further. So encourage them, help the weak. So it's not just that we see them and just go on and we'll pray for you and be at peace. God says, go help them. So he's telling them your work is to go help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Ouch. Everyone, Lord. Now I'm sharing this with you because a lot of us are getting ready to sit across the table between the turkey and the cranberry sauce since Uncle Bobo. You know, there's always one in the family that you don't invite to the family reunions on purpose. And you see them, oh, you didn't hear, I'm so sorry, you missed your invitation. There's always that one family member, you know, if they show up, it's going to be on like popcorn, as the kids would say. But we have to encourage and be patient with everyone. 
So as we go and we deal with the work of the ministry, we know our hands have to what? Get dirty, basically. We are called to do the work of the kingdom. And it's funny, when I would go home or to another relative's house for Thanksgiving or Christmas, I kind of took off the spiritual hat. Not that I was unholy, but I just figured, you know, I would, they know I'm a Christian. They know I witness. Um, so let's be holy. Amen. But I really didn't have the, the mindset of saying, I might not see this person again. I need to say something that sticks with them, that helps them along the way. So as you sit around the table, you'll find people who are weary. You'll find the weak. You'll find those family members that need help. One particular time we were at a family um, gathering and my nephew, he was just, every time we would get together, it just seemed like he would be the one to set it off. So one day we were standing there and I realized this boy is manifesting. I don't know why I didn't see it before, I guess because he was a family member and I chalked it up to bad behavior, but I realized this boy is demon oppressed. So I said, come here. I took him out to the car and we had a little deliverance service in the car. Yes, we did. Because I figured, look, either you or this demon got to go. Because I'm tired of you messing up this family gathering. But how many know our family needs us? As we said earlier, be a witness. He told him, be a witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. So we're to be a witness right at our home. It should start at our doorstep and resonate out to the uttermost parts of the earth. So we give thanks that we were once not in peace and we're in peace now. Why? Because of Jesus. We can admonish the unruly. A couple months ago, the Lord spoke to my heart and I shared it with the elders. The Lord said to me in my prayer time, I'm getting ready to deal with the sons of Eli. Eli. I was like, wow, what does that mean, Lord? I mean, I knew what it meant, but you don't know what it means practically. Now, the sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, they were in authority and they were using their authority wrong. They were sleeping with the women in the temple. They were taking the sacrifices and some of them they weren't even supposed to touch and they were eating them. They were consuming them on themselves. So the Lord said to me, I'm going to start dealing with the sons of Eli. And I knew it just wasn't about the house of God. God was going to deal with everybody that was using their authority in a way that they shouldn't. Do you see what's happening in our society today? That is the hand of God saying, that's it. How many of you know people will not always get away with what they're getting away with? You don't get away with anything. So we have to give thanks that we can be the people that witness to those who need God. How many know those people need God? So we're, we're so grateful that we can witness and do the things that God has called us to do, do the work of the body of the kingdom and your warfare. Let's talk about warfare for a minute. How many of you have ever experienced spiritual warfare? Mm, mm, mm. Okay. Now give thanks. <laughs> give thanks in it. I like verse 18, which is our focus. Give thanks in all things for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Notice it didn't say give thanks for all things. It said give thanks in it. So the moment you are in it, you need to give God thanks. One, that he knew about it. Two, that he already has an answer. And three, that kingdom purposes are getting ready to be solidified in this situation. We get to be the vessels that he uses, that he works with. And we work with him to advance the kingdom. So in it, we need to give thanks. I'm so grateful that I'm not the woman I was last year even. Because God continues to sanctify me and make me holy. So these situations that I get in 
instead of trying to get out, because that's what my flesh exactly wants to do, doesn't want to go through. It wants to get out. So initially, if I don't give thanks to God, I'm trying to get out of it instead of going through it. And then when I try to go through it, the Lord says, now I want you to grow through it, not just go through. There's an assignment in here. If it is in your life, it crossed my desk. That means it has purpose. Pain, yes, but purpose. So I have to grab hold of what God wants to do to grow me up. Aren't you glad that God grows you up? That's a thank all in itself that we don't stay infants. God can't bless us with certain things because we're infants. He wants to continue to give us blessings, not just to consume on ourselves, but that we can be a blessing, that we can reach out and help people. Thank you. That one amen. Glory. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) So the warfare in giving thanks is rejoice always. How many of you rejoice always? Uh Uh-huh. That's what I thought. See the warfare? (laughs) Because you have to fight with your flesh because your flesh doesn't want to rejoice. Depending on who it is and what it is, we do not want to rejoice. But now we need to give thanks in it. And what? Rejoice. Rejoice always, he says to them. Now, always is an absolute word. That means all the time. Why are we rejoicing? Not because of the situation, but because who our God is in the situation. That God, if you allowed it in my life, you're getting ready to do something. This is a setup to be blessed. So I'm going to stand and believe by faith. I'm going to begin to prophesy over this situation. I'm getting ready to tell the situation what it's getting ready to do. As I get with the Lord and say, Lord, what's up? What are we doing? I want to co-labor with you. I'm going to operate with you. Pray without ceasing. How do we pray without ceasing? That doesn't mean you have to be in your prayer closet 24-7 on your knees. You know, prayer is a conversation with the Lord. And that means you talk to him all throughout your day. That there's not one time you break fellowship. Just because you're not saying anything doesn't mean you're still not in fellowship. You have an ear to hear what the spirit of the Lord is saying. There's times that I'll be driving and the Lord say, pray for so-and-so. I'll just begin to pray. I'll see an accident on the side of the road, feel led to pray for them. I'm constantly talking with the Lord as we're going in and out of our day. He's constantly saying things back to me that I can hold on to. Promises for you, promises for the church, our leaders, myself, my family. Aren't you glad God speaks to us? So that's a gift to know that we can pray without ceasing. Again, he said, give thanks in all things, in everything. Again, he didn't say give thanks for it. He said, give thanks in it. And so it changes our perspective when we can give thanks in it. I was watching a commercial and it was a children's um, hospital commercial and it panned to a little boy in a, in a room. Well, first it was the room without the little boy and it was all white carpet, all white furniture. And then it panned to a plant that was turned upside down. Now you put two and two together. This little boy just wrecked his mother's living room. Then he goes outside and gets a water hose and puts the water hose in the mail slot of the front door. Then he goes and he turns the water on outside so we know that water's getting ready to hit that white carpet with that plant on it. And then it flashes to black, black and it says, life is good after brain cancer. I thought, what perspective? We have to have the right perspective when we're going through things. That'll help you give thanks. 
That'll help you have the spirit of gratitude that God calls us to have. Many a times we think we don't deserve this. We know that's pride. Because when you look at everything Jesus went through, that's what we really deserve. So anything above that is icing on the cake. So we really deserve persecution. Aren't you glad? Won't that make you get up and dance around this room? That you don't have to be persecuted. You don't have to go to the cross like Jesus did. But we can stand here with an eternal promise of salvation because of the completed work of the cross. Do not quench the spirit, denoting that devotion should never be extinct, should always be on fire for God. David amazes me in scripture, especially the part where Saul was after him to kill him. And an evil spirit came on Saul. And when David would play his harp, that spirit would subside. So David would be playing. And guess what Saul would be doing to David? Throwing spears at him. Mm Mm-hmm. Throwing spears. Now here David is serving Saul, helping him with this evil spirit. And all Saul can see is what David has for him, which is the Lord on his side. Isn't it deep how David would continue to play or he, he would escape the hand of Saul. Now I was thinking in that picture, Lord, I would be playing and the throw the job. You got one more time to throw that. <laughs> Forget this playing. I put that harp down. Let me tell you something. <laughs> and that what your flesh wanted to do. Let me tell let me help you with this. But David would just escape or he would continue to worship. Aren't we glad that God has the authority? And that's what David knew. God has the authority to take this man out. God's anointing is on him and I'm not going to touch him. He's messed up, but God's got this. And David even killed the man that killed Saul. You would have thought he would have said, thank you, brother. I didn't want to touch him. You touched him. That's great. Situation done. David did not do that. So I'm just so grateful for the pictures and the the, um, examples in scripture that help us do what we're supposed to do. Our Christian conduct matters. People are watching us. Examine everything. Just don't take anything by chance. But he wanted us to examine. He's telling them, and I encourage you to examine everything. Just don't take it as truth. But line it up with the word and make sure it is sound. Hold fast to what is good. We have to encourage those we're with. Hold fast to the things that are good. Many of us are going to sit with guests, family, and there are going to be many conversations. We had a conversation. Nieces and nephews had come that I wish I had taped because they were outraged at how the police were treating the community. But my husband was able to sit there and give them some insight in the law that really opened up a deep conversation. So I'm in the kitchen mad because my hand's all in the sink and this, and I'm trying to listen halfway because it was one of those conversations that, you know, this is a God moment. Because they didn't examine it fully. They took partial information and tried to make an informed decision. How many know you can't do that? So in the midst of clinging to things, we have to cling to what is good. So we have to identify what that is and be thankful for it and cling to it. And then lastly, he said, abstain from evil. He was telling the new converts, look, you're going to have to deal with your flesh, your sanctification process that's going to occur. And you're going to have to tell your flesh, no. 
And thank God we have the Holy Spirit living in us and we don't have to do this on our own. We have the power of the Holy Spirit in us. And so when he says love, he's empowered you to love. When he says, give me a sacrifice of praise, he's empowered you to do that. So I'm so grateful in the midst of warfare of getting to the other side that we remember it's sanctification. The love that we have for God that sets us apart and allows us to do this journey, not just to get to the other side, but to know him better as we're getting to the other side. I'm so grateful that he allows us to get to know him better. That he's not just a God up there and said, well, wait till you get up here to meet me. But he constantly reveals himself through every situation. He's constantly revealing his love to us. Even through pain, you can see his love. So I'm so grateful that God has touched us in a way that we now can be a witness. That we now can do the work of the gospel. Every last one of us in here have the assignment to do the work of the gospel. That we can come together, link arms, and do this work together. And the warfare that we don't have to fight alone. I don't know one soldier that they just go ahead and send to Afghanistan or wherever and say, you go fight the war, let us know how it goes. They send them in units. They send them trained. There's special ops. There's all kinds of forces that go to do the work. Aren't you glad that you're not alone? You're not isolated. That there are people standing right next to you, geared up, ready to do what God said to do. I'm excited about advancing the kingdom with you. We give thanks in all things, even the the things that hurt, even the things that are painful, even the things that we don't even want to deal with. We can still give thanks in it because God rules. God's in control. We sang the song earlier, you made a way. How many of you have a testimony of him making a way? Hallelujah. We can't forget what our God has done for us. One of my favorite songs is, You've Been Faithful. And he says, I'll never forget what you've done for me. How you loosed my shackles and you set me free. You made a way out of nowhere. You turned my darkness into day. You've been my peace in the time of sorrow. My hope for my tomorrows. Do I have a witness in here of how good God is to us? Hallelujah. So I'm so grateful for this letter that he wrote to the new converts and saying, look, I'm going to encourage you that in the midst of having to go to the other side, in the midst of having to grow up in the gospel, that you can still give thanks, that you can be a witness, that you can do the work of the kingdom, that you can war and thank God that it's a fixed fight, that you're not alone. So I don't know what you're going through in this room. You know, these holidays are, they just bring up so many things, some good, some bad. The enemy always wants to steal from us. But I invite you to look in the right perspective of what you have. You have life. You have another day to advance the kingdom. You have another day to get God, to go know God even better than you knew him yesterday. The real treasures of heaven. He is our great reward. And so our perspective is that of the kingdom. Our perspective is one of love that we can go out there and say, hey, God loves you. He has an answer for you. I'm so grateful that we get to do that together. So I want us to stand. And as we stand, we're just going to take a few minutes to thank him. To be encouraged. This, was, this is what this letter was all about. To be encouraged. 
in the midst of persecution, in the midst of whatever they were going through, it was to be encouraged. Amen. Tiff, if you could come up, because I want to turn this into a, a praise party. Everybody just looking at me like, Pastor D, did y'all eat turkey already? Is tryptophan already working? Hallelujah. <laughs> and we're going to pray against the premeditated sin that I see in all, every last one of you of overeating. We're going to take care of that before we leave as well. <laughs> But we just want to thank God for who he is. We want to thank God that we can be encouraged. We want to thank God because we give thanks in all things. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning us. So Lord, we thank you tonight for your goodness over us. Father, you've been so faithful. You've made ways out of no ways. Lord, you've healed our body. Lord, you've bought reconciliation where there was division. God, you bought wisdom when we didn't know what to do. Lord, you brought healing to our bodies when we were sick. God, we remember tonight. We come back and say thank you. Thank you. We will never forget what you've done for us. You've loosed our shackles. You've set us free. And Lord, we are grateful. As Paul penned this letter for encouragement, I pray the spirit of encouragement over everybody in this room. Lord, that they wouldn't be depressed or discouraged about not one thing. Because what you've done for us is so much greater than what people have done to us. So we give you glory, Father. We worship your holy name. And we say be glorified in our witness. Be glorified in our work. Be glorified as we war to get to the other side. We thank you for sanctification tonight. And we say we are set apart for you. As we're around family members, help us to be sensitive in the spirit. Help us to help the weak. Admonish the unruly. God, help us to witness for you. We pray for our families. We pray for our friends. Lord, that they would come into a, a salvation that changes their lives forever. A personal relationship with you. Father, we thank you. Thank you for our leaders who labor before us, who labor in this word. You said we're to esteem them in love, to encourage them, Lord. And we pray over them tonight and their families. Lord, that they would have a blessed Thanksgiving. Lord, that rest would come upon them. Lord, that you would surround them with your goodness and your mercy. They would lack not one good thing, Father. We thank you for each other in this room and all the family it represents. Lord, we thank you for your love over us. You have been so faithful, and we bless your holy name. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.